I hope today, as we talk about some church matters, uh, our church series part five, um, I hope today you can get um, some renewal and maybe some new commitment to yourself, kind of energize you. I'm going to be uh, tough on us as a church, um, as I have been for the last few weeks. Um, the Thessalonian church was doing two things really strong. I've emphasized them for the last two sermons I've preached. The church at Thessalonica, they were doing two things really strong. Does anybody remember what they are? Please, somebody, remember what they are. Anybody, call it out. What were they doing really strong? My wife loves me very much, and they were what? They were, yeah, they were trumpeting forth, sounding forth, the two things they were sounding forth from that church. So Paul says, I don't even have to go near anybody. The two things were what? The gospel and their testimony. Thank you, Brother Al. Good student. He gets an A. Somebody put a star by his name, right? <laughs> you passed it. You're, you're passing. They were given their, God, their testimony, which I taught you how to do your elevator testimony. Remember? Your elevator testimony. Anybody want to take a shot at giving me a rough brand of your elevator testimony? I know I'm catching you off guard, which I shouldn't be. You shouldn't be off guard ever. Be able to tell your testimony. Blind man said, once I was lost, then I met Jesus. Now I can see. He had a testimony of what happened to him with Jesus in the middle of it. Here's the before, here's the now, or here's the Jesus, and here's the now. Here's who I am. That's an elevator testimony. It's how easily you can tell somebody what God did for you. Anybody want to take a shot at it? Any brave soul, give me a one-minute elevator testimony. Nope. You're killing me. I'm going to start over. I'm telling you, I'm going to start over. You have to be able to give your testimonies. That's the whole point of church, by the way, is to be able to broadcast out this message of the testimony. And then last week we talked about the gospel. And the gospel is pretty straightforward. I showed you a bunch of false gospels that are in our culture today. The prosperity gospel, the patriotic gospel, there's a, um, a morality gospel that's being pushed all through our culture. But, but we ultimately talked about last week the real gospel and how to express that. And I hope you go back and listen to those messages. If you didn't learn to do your elevator testimony, please learn how to do that. You should have it in your Bible. It should be a card in your um, purse or in your wallet or in your pocket all the time so that you can just, at a moment's notice, you can tell somebody what Jesus did for you. That's very important for our church to be healthy. And then the church part five that we're going to start today is on, here's another huge element, here's another huge element of, of, the, uh, of the church itself. And the, the element that we want us to have now is discipleship. That's a big fancy word, discipleship. Um, helping others follow Jesus is all it boils down to. When you're discipling somebody, you're actually saying, I am following that guy. You should follow me as I follow that guy. And I'm going to teach you to follow that guy. That's all discipleship is. Not complicated. It's, it's uh, really important. Though. The purpose of Northside, just going back to our church basics, the purpose of Northside is that we would literally reach the lost and raise up a biblical functioning community. It should be on your handout. Reach the lost, raise up a biblically functioning community. And when we do that, we are, we are doing exactly what the New Testament calls us to do. I know every year we have a vi what's called Vision Sunday, and it's like a specific vision. The vision itself, though, is specific to, specific to one of these two deals. I'm either challenging you to reach the lost or to be a biblically functioning community. And you know what a biblically functioning community does? 
Anybody? You know what a biblically functioning community does? Preaches the lost. You know what people that get saved do? They become a biblically functioning community. It's just a big cycle. Okay? And I believe God, years ago when he called me here, one of my hearts, clear, the clearest thing in my heart was the church didn't have that specific vision. And so we prayed about it. Some of us as leadership way back in the day, two, two, that, uh, March of 2000, April, May, June of 2000, we prayed about it and we set that as a sort of a landmark for us. That's the benchmark. We're going to reach the lost and raise up a biblically functioning community. And a big part of that is to be discipling those that get saved, helping people find Christ, and then disciple them. So I want to just talk you through discipleship for a minute, which is ultimately, in your handout, helping others follow Jesus as you follow Jesus. Helping others follow Jesus as you follow Jesus. That's all it boils down to. I'm following Jesus, and I want other people to follow Jesus just like I do. And so, if you will uh, just kind of follow along this morning, we are supposed to be befriending all those within the influence, everybody that's within your influence, befriend them and draw them closer to Jesus. There's two kinds of discipleship, two kinds of discipleship. I love that image that Josh uses for that, by the way, the, the cross and the house, I mean the church and the house together. Uh, that's just a neat picture of what, what it means to be a church, is we're like a family that's inside this deal. So we befriend all those who are in the influence and draw them closer to Jesus. Now there's informal discipleship. I have a number of those that I'm working with right now where you're getting to know them and asking for God to show you how to encourage and help them. There's informal discipleship. Informal discipleship is when uh, you just are casual friends with somebody. It's not a formal thing and you're not really trying to do studies with them and all that kind of stuff. You're literally just informally, informally, uh, checking in with them, meeting with them, maybe texting them every now and then. Uh, might be somebody you know from work or somebody you know from your uh, community or your neighbors. But informal is to get to know, getting to know them and asking them, God, to show you how to encourage them. I'm just going to try to figure out how to encourage this person. And by the way, there's tons of people in our culture that need encouragement. <laughs> they need lots of encouragement. So informal is for you to find anybody, believers and non-believers. I believe... I was taught differently, by the way, growing up. But I believe you're, you can disciple a non-Christian because all you're doing is bringing them to, to a, a walk with Jesus, and you can do that with a non-believer. You don't have to just disciple believers. You disciple non-believers because you're just teaching them how to I follow Christ, so let me just show you what I do. And you walk alongside them in their journey of life, whatever they're doing. You try to slowly teach them about Jesus and how Jesus helps you and what Jesus does. You tell them your testimony. <laughs> You tell them your witness, and then you also tell them about, you know, the things that you learn about God when you learn things. So there's also the formal, by the way, these casual meetings, when you're in these informal ones, the first ones, uh, the informal version, you should work on when you're thinking about your friends, and I do this quite a bit, just driving down the road, I'll be thinking about somebody I know and somebody I want to get closer to God. You want to think about how can I ask them good questions about their faith? Uh, what are the questions I could ask them about their faith life? What are questions I could talk to them about uh, that would move us into a faith conversation? It doesn't have to be anything really dramatic. You know, you don't have to wade into anything heavy necessarily. But just asking about, you know, how's, how's things going at work? And, you know, if, if they start talking about something that's stressful at work, you can just simply ask them. You know, how do you handle, how do you handle that stress when you're going through? Because I know, you know, for me, I have to have some help. So how do you handle that? 
And then they'll tell you, well, you know, sometimes I just go home and yell at everybody or, you know, pound on my desk or, you know, say swear words or whatever. They, if they're unsaved, they're going to be all kinds of way out here in left field with the way they handle stress. And then you just get to tell them, well, you know, I, you know I've had some of that in my past, right? I know people like that. I know, I know what it's like to struggle like that. I know what that stress is like. And then you turn back around and you have to say, in, 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 you know, here's what I do with my stress now. I found that, you know, God actually bears burdens for me. He actually carries my stress for me when I learn to hand it to him. Now, somebody that's working through a lot of stress, that's going to be a heavy solution to them. They may want to interrogate you about that. They may want to know more about it. Or they may go, really? Not interested. Okay, that's fine. I'm still walking with you, and I'm still walking with Christ. So slowly but surely, I'm going to find another way, another question, another dialogue to have, and I'm going to listen very carefully to what you tell me is going on in your life. You're having car trouble, you're having this, you're having that. I'm going to find solutions for you. I'm going to take you to Christian people that can help you. And I'm going to introduce you to my Christian mechanic, brother. <laughs> and I'm going to introduce you to my Christian friends that can fix this or help you with this. I'm going to bring Christian people over that can help you fix your plumbing or your you know, fence or whatever's down. I'm just going to help you because I want to bring you into a world of people that are following Christ. That's informal Discipleship. It happens very slowly. It's not a microwave thing. It's not a, you know, poof, instant Christian thing. It's a slow process. I've been working with a couple people for almost 15 years since I've been here in Mobile. Um, haven't darkened this door yet. Not yet. I'm convinced one day they will. Um, but I was over there yesterday just helping somebody. So the other kind is the formal discipleship. And that's when you find somebody that's they're sort of agreeing with you that we need to encourage and build one another up. These are people that are becoming closer friends to you and say, you know what, I need, I need your help and I'd love to ask you to help me. Um, and I'd also love to be a part of helping you grow. And so we're going to grow together in our faith. And there doesn't have to be a leadership moment in that. Although, you know, as you're walking with Christ and you're trying to help them, you can actually look for ways to, as God points you to lead. Um, but at the deal, you want to say, I'm going to agree on this routine to build you up in your faith and, uh, and how, how to do that. Now, I'm going to show you at the end of this message, I'm going to show you some of the ways to do that. It's not just books, by the way, but I'm going to show you some of the ideas that make it real simple. And by the way, the passage that's not on your text, uh, Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, the things you've seen in me. Those are the things I want you to do with other people. I want you to follow me and then bring people behind you. That's the ultimate passage of discipleship, and it's my other life verse that I live by. I love uh, leading people to Jesus because people have led me to a close fellowship with Jesus. So Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is our verse that we kind of pivoted off of the first week we were talking about all this church stuff. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Not real complicated, by the way. It's a command. Every Christian in this room, 100% of us, every Christian in this room is supposed to go and make a disciple. Sounds like you're supposed to go to, it's like, you know, go make, you know, a thing, a box, or go make a building, or go make a, you know, a shed, or go make something. But it's actually a disciple's what you got to make. You know, well, how am I going to do that? Here, here's part of the story is in that. Uh, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. So to make a disciple, I've got to get them to know God as their Father so we can baptize them. And they got to know the Son and they got to know the Holy Spirit. i got to teach them to observe all that God's commanded them. And God says, when you do that, I'm with you all the whole time. I got you on this. I'll help you get this done. Go make disciples. 
Our job is to go make that. And the purpose of making disciples, we'll just teach you that real quick, is to reach the lost. That's one of our first purposes of our, of our church. reason that we have a church is to reach out and find lost people, bring them into relationship with God. And then secondly, you find people who are saved but perhaps weak in their faith, and you want to grow them up in their faith. You want to build them up in their faith. So you want to grow them up and mature them as Christians. Helping one another fight against Satan and sin uh, is another reason that we do that. We want to help people fight against sin. Sin is very, very destructive. I spent a lot of time at the rehab centers, Mission of Hope, Home of Grace. And uh, I was there last night, actually Friday and Saturday. And I may get a chance to go back out there tonight and teach uh, the ladies if their chapel speaker cancels, which I think is going to happen. I'll pray for that. I really want him to cancel so I can give him one more installment on what we're talking about. I'm taking them through some relationship stuff, and they're very excited about it. And they're like, oh, I hope he cancels. I hope he cancels. Like, yeah, me too. So, but he just, they just know he's got some things going on, so he might not be able to be there. And I said, look, if he does, somebody's got to give me a call. I'll get here and, and do this with you um, tonight around 6, 30 or 7. So, but here's the, here's the thing. When, when I'm teaching them, I'm looking around going, man, sin has just destroyed your families. There's all this pain and suffering and hardship that all these ladies and all these guys are going through. It's because they let sin take over, right? Well, the reason you want to disciple somebody, the reason Jesus discipled his guys was to help them overcome that. And, and here's a very important part of church work in my mind. Um, Jesus had a limited amount of time on earth. All right. He was here for 33 years, but he chose to minister for three of those. That's kind of weird to me, but you know, when you get to heaven, we can probably sit down and have a dialogue about that and go, so why didn't you start when you were 18? <laughs> you know, Why'd you wait till you were 30? I mean, you could have done a lot more if you had all those years. But he just chose to have three years of ministry ministry. And in those three years, he we actually have eight days. The, the Bible records about eight full days of what Jesus did. You know, and John says if we could if we wrote it all down, we couldn't it could nobody can no volumes could hold it all. It's just that much. But we have eight days recorded, so I wish somebody would have recorded more, but they didn't. So we got what the Lord wanted us to know about his his life here on earth. But here's an interesting thing. In all that he did, big group stuff, a lot of times he'd pull back from the big group. He actually would choose to sometimes push the big group so hard theologically that it offended them enough that they walked away and ended up back with his 12. Because his discipleship group was the most important thing to him. And uh, I think churches sometimes get that all backwards. They think we need lots and lots of people here so we feel like we're doing lots and lots of ministry and Jesus says the real ministry was me and my three guys and my 12 guys, really 11 if you take Judas out of that formula. So, But it's really amazing when you think of Jesus with all the time he had on his hands and all that he could do, one of his dominant focuses was quiet time with his disciples. Pull them out on retreats, take them to do this. Then he would take them and train them. He'd say, hey, I need you guys to go out and do this. Come back and tell me how that went. Right? Then he would sit down with them and teach them. And he'd say, hey, remember that big group thing we did today where I was teaching all that? Let me tell you what that really is. And he would just spend tons of time discipling. That's the call of a healthy church. That's what a healthy body of Christ should be doing. That's what healthy Christians should be doing. They should be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 in your handouts. You therefore, beloved, know this beforehand. Be on your guard so that you're not carried away by errors of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Just a show of hands. Small group today. Show of hands, how many of you know somebody that's fallen away from the faith 
from sincere, solid faith. They, they had it, and then they fell away from it. This verse says, here's how you help overcome that. I know bunches of people that have. Be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall away from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can never get to the bottom of grace. You just can't. You can study it every day for 10 hours a day and never get to the bottom. Never stop growing in understanding of, of grace. And find friends that are wanting to grow in grace and learn about grace. And I'll show you a book about grace in a few minutes. It's really good. So maybe several. So And then we're supposed to grow through speaking to one another uh, in love. Speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4 says, Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects and unto him who is the head, even Christ. So speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up. Grow up. <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember years ago, I did this message called, Just Grow Up. Come on, grow up, really. Just grow up. And I think Paul says that all the time to his followers. Stop being babies. Stop it. Come on, grow up. Just grow up in your faith. And how do we do that? We speak the truth. To help somebody grow, you speak the truth. Where is the absolute truth found? There is absolute truth, by the way. Don't ever question that. There's absolute truth. Where's it found? Hold it up. Where's it found? It's your Bible. That's what I've got. It's in your Bible. That's absolute truth. So I speak the truth to one another. We talk to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The passage uh, would go on to say. So now, who am I supposed to disciple? You said, Pastor, that's really impressive teaching you're doing this morning. Discipleship. Everybody knows what discipleship is. Okay, but I'm asking you: Are you discipling anybody? Okay, who am I supposed to disciple? Here's a list. I just make this up. I just throw this out because it's kind of how it works for me. Neighbors. People that live on either side of you, somehow you've got to begin to disciple them. I'm going to give you some how-tos, but you should be influencing them. God put your zip code and address is not an accident. God didn't put you in that house because he you know, wanted you to ignore the people in the neighborhood. He wants you to be light, light, light. You know, life comes into the neighborhood when you as a believer hit that neighborhood. So you've got to be discipling the neighbors. You, they should be on your list. Coworkers, people that you work with, say, "Man, I got some rough coworkers." All the more reason, <laughs> all the more reason, God put you there to become light and salt and encouragement to them. Um, you should do your cousins and your nephews and your families, your in-laws, your outlaws, all of them. Okay, your barbers and beauticians. Um, I know it doesn't look like I have one, but I do. And um, my, the lady that I I get my haircut from, I just have really fallen in in this relationship where I go God I have got to find a way to get her to talk more about you and uh and it was really neat because when she first I just go to this place where they just have an open chair and they call you up and this lady starts talking to me in this real harsh European accent I mean harsh harsh hard to understand and uh and I'm like I know that accent I know that accent I know that accent and I finally just said you're from Russia she said, oh, yes, I'm from Siberia. She's from Siberia. Well, y'all know who I know from Siberia? Truett Dodd. He's with the Lord now. But you know what I have in my office? I have a bunch of photographs that he gave me in this book about Siberia and the churches he planted in Siberia. So the second time I ever saw this lady, because I was asking all about, where, where in Siberia? How long have you been here? She's been here like 20 years. Um, yeah, Siberia's really cold. Mobile's really hot. We, oh, I much prefer the hot. I hate the cold. And she's like, I love it here. Love it, love it, love it. I'm like, I, 
I don't want 60 below, but man, it'd be nice if it was cooler. So we have these talks, and I'm just getting to know her. And I take her these pictures from Siberia. Now, the pictures are him planting churches and sharing the gospel. So I'm showing her this big booklet I got of all these pictures. And she's just getting tears in her eyes. She's like, oh, this is my homeland. I know this city. And I went, oh, I know a guy that was in that city as a missionary. You know, now, we never talked about Jesus in that moment. Because I'm just waiting to hear what she thinks about it all. And I just give her a chance to tell me, oh, tell me about that town. Tell me about where you grew up. Tell me about the gardens that you remember. She remembered all this stuff because there are pictures of gardens and flowers and all that cool stuff. And, man, she's just having these great memories. Oh, this is great. And she's showing all the other ladies in the thing. You know, a couple of guys there are cutting hair. She's showing them, oh, this is, this is the town, I, town near where I grew up and all that. And, and so we have an instant connection. I'm just instantly connected with her, right? Now, my goal is to figure out how to get the specific gospel to her and ask her about Jesus. So right before Easter, I like to get my hair cut right before Easter because, you know, I'm preaching that kind of stuff. So right before Easter, I'm in there talking to her. And, and uh, I said, hey, I got to look good because uh, I, I work this Sunday. And she didn't know what I do. I said, I got to go to work this Sunday. I got to look good for Sunday. Oh, okay. I said, what are you doing Sunday? What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to be working in my garden. Really? You know what I know now? She's not on Easter Sunday. She is not going to attend church. And I'm like, really? So I'm, she's cutting away, you know. It only takes, I have like five minutes to do, you know, talk with her because my hair doesn't take long. I need more hair, but I can't get it. So, <laughs> but I'm just trying to figure out how to work the angles with her, you know. And so, so I'm saying to her, is there anything, is there anything you'd rather do on Sunday than just, you know, do your gardening? No, I love, and she loves gardening. She loves it. She was telling me uh, recently about in her garden, she's got these uh, armadillos that are coming in, you know? So you know what I did? I, I, I've studied how to get rid of armadillos, and I've done this with some of my people that I cut grass for, some of the people I do lawn care with. And uh, you have to get rid of the grubs in the ground. The, the armadillos are coming to eat the grubs. You got to rid of the grubs. So I sent her a picture from Lowe's. I was in Lowe's. I took a picture of the stuff that gets rid of grubs. I said, spread this in your backyard. Armadillos are gone. Two weeks later, I show up, see her. All oh, the grubs, it's all wonderful. No more armadillo. Yeah, yeah. God's working in our lives here, you know? And she didn't go to church on Easter, you know? But I'm telling you what, Christmas is coming up. And I'm working my way into that conversation with her about what are we going to do at Christmas? Because surely at some point in your life, you got to go. And twice now she's used the word God to talk about the flowers. And so I said, yeah, God makes beautiful flowers, doesn't he? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Right? I'm just learning about her. See, that's informal discipleship. But I'm there pretty regular. Not really regular, but occasionally I show up there and uh, try to get my hair to grow better so I can't. Right? But you can do the pizza delivery guy, your lawn care people, your house cleaners, your car, anybody you see regular. Waiters and waitresses should be a natural thing to you. If you, like, if you find a restaurant you really like, you should try to time it out where you're with the same people all the time. Robert E. Cochran, that's with the Lord now, one of our elders, he was fantastic at this. And uh, he, had, he had waiters and waitresses all around town that knew him personally. They knew, first of all, he was going to give a really big tip. They also knew he was going to send a tip to the kitchen, okay, to tell the guy in the kitchen, here, here's a $5 bill for you for cooking good for me. You know, Robert just knew how to work the system. Then he's going to get to know the owners. And at some point, you know, a bunch of us love the catfish place up here in Loosedale. Brother Cochran would show up regularly to the catfish place. I think it was every Thursday. He'd go up to the catfish place, and he would get there right before they're open. And they would let him in early, and he would just sit and wait. Well, after a while, he got to thinking, if I got here early enough, I bet they'd let me do a little devotion in the kitchen sometime. Sure enough, you know, the owner just falls in love with him, and he's able to go in and do a devotion to the group before they start their day. Right? He just worked his way into their lives informally, to create a way to formally teach them about the Lord. And what a great testimony that is. So 
that's you can disciple anybody, anybody that you regularly encounter. And by the way, your family should be on that list. Family discipleship is a little more complicated at times, but it's really important to do that, right? Discipleship is 100% relational. It's 100% relational. You have to be able to build relationships, and you can't do it in isolation. You cannot do discipleship while you're isolating yourself from others. And if I don't have my, I left my phone up there. But if you're doing this all the time on your phones, young people, okay, this is not discipleship, okay? This is isolation. And I'm convinced that the enemy of our souls, Satan himself, uses a ton of the computer stuff and the cool stuff that can happen right here on a little screen right in front of your face. Okay, I'm convinced he uses that to keep us isolated, to keep the gospel from going somewhere. I'm convinced he does that. We've got to get away from that so we can begin discipling other people. And uh, it can't happen in isolation. If you're, if you're not discipling somebody, I'm just going to be real clear, you're living in disobedience to the full call of the gospel. You just are. When Jesus saved you, he wanted you to be a follower that says, find some followers. You're a follower of me now. Find some more followers and bring them along. Jesus told his own disciples, I will make you fishers of... Right. So while Peter's walking with Jesus and looking this way to Jesus, he's got somebody in his wake. I call it his wake. It's like a boat. There's people behind Peter that Peter's dragging along with him, pulling along with him, guiding him along. Every Christian in this room should be able to turn around and tell me who's behind you that you're leading. You're leading them to Christ because you're following Christ. And that's a great thing to be following Christ, but you got to have other people following you to get your full ministry in. You can use your spiritual gifts. Um, you can use your spiritual gifts to disciple. Um, it, God's given everybody that's a believer a gift, a spiritual gift, and you can use your spiritual gifts. Not in your notes, I don't think. Um, but if you're a mercy shower, I have a lot of mercy in my giftingness. Um, you can disciple people who are hurting. Those are the people that are, mercy showers are sort of drawn to go, oh. Oh, can I help you with that? And us mercy showers get caught up in the little storyline or whatever's happening. We go, I'll help you. Let me help you do that. Let me help you fix that. I'll do that. Yeah, let me help you. And that mercy gives me an opportunity to build relationships. I'm an introvert, right? So I need a mercy moment a lot of times to get into somebody's life. And God just brings people that need mercy. And we plug in us mercy showing introverts understand how that works. If you're an administrative person, um, you can disciple people around you that need to get better organized or better planned. People that are all disorganized and their life's all discombobulated and your life is just perfect and you know all your you know silverware stays exactly in the right way. You open the door and slam it, your silverware still stays in the right place. Those kind of people, administrators, right? All your paperwork's always right. Your desk doesn't look like a bomb went off like mine does. Those you can you can disciple people that look like bombs went off in their homes. Just begin to love on them and help them, you know. And you don't need to offend them with you know, gosh, this place is a mess. No, it's you know what I do with my mail when I first bring my mail in? Here's what I do. I put it right here. You know, and then I go through it and I throw out the stuff. And I'm like, well, that would keep me from having mail that's 27 years old in my office. That'd be really cool. Somebody could help me with that. Okay? If you're a person that has hospitality, um, you have lots of friends over, uh, you can just have friends over all the time. And you can do some of these how-tos we're going to talk about, books and videos and that kind of thing. If you're a hot person with the gift of hospitality, man, it's a great way to, to just invite people into your home and show them hospitality. Um, if you have the gift of leadership, you can disciple those you lead, those who work under you and with you. If you have the gift of serving or helps, man, that's just killer because um, you listen for specific needs. People with a spiritual gift of helps, just listen for people with needs. And they're immediately drawn. Go, oh, so your plumbing is messed up? Huh, I know a guy. 
I know a Christian guy, and I'll just get him to come over and we'll work on it together, right? I was listening to a guy uh, talk on the phone a couple of days ago. My air conditioner not working in all this extreme heat we're in. I said, oh, I know a young Christian guy. I'm starting to disciple. I know a guy. And uh, he's got his own little company. And I'm going to bring him to your house, and we're going to figure this out together. The guy's like, oh, really? And see, now I've got this triple connection of guys I'm trying to work with. So um, you can always start a faith conversation with somebody if you'll just learn your elevator testimony. You can always start a faith conversation with them uh, if you'll learn that. So, so here's the how-tos. Let's go through the how-tos real quick. Okay, this is going to make really crystal clear sense to you. Okay, If you want to disciple somebody, you need to take them out to breakfast and have a conversation. Right? You want to take them out to breakfast and have a conversation about anything. Talk to them about their work. Talk to them about their car. Talk to them about their kids. Talk to them about their life. Talk to them about their hobbies. And in that conversation, listen for the Lord to give you an inroad. Just an inroad. Right? But just take them to breakfast. You could, you could invite somebody, if you're formally discipling them, you can invite them to take a book that you're reading. And I put a ton of them up here. And I'd love for at the end of the service you to come look at these books. As a matter of fact, some of them, if you want, if you ask me, I'll let you take them. Almost everything from here over, you can take it with you and use it for discipleship. But I have a ton that I've used for discipleship. We just recently, the guys just recently went through this one. Some of you guys remember this one, How to Be a Man. So it's a current book. It's out uh, pretty, pretty brand new. They just came out with How to Be a Man Part 2. <laughs> so, um, but that's a great little book to give to a guy that you're trying to get to know a little bit. And you go, hey, you want to read this book together with me? I'm reading it. It takes literally a Two, three minutes to read a chapter, a section. Um, they, they have day one. How many days did it go, guys? I don't remember. I don't know. But you read it, you read it for a little while, and, and it's a great way to disciple. And you just say, let's just share a book together. Um, let's just meet once a month or every other week or once a week. If you can get them to meet once a week, that's fantastic. So meet once a week, and we'll, we'll discuss what we read in this book. That's discipleship. It's a really great way to formally disciple them. Um, I, this book, you cannot have this copy because it's the one my wife gave me. It's got her information in it. Um, she gave this to me in college um, with a really sweet note. But this, this book called by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. Phenomenal, phenomenal discipleship book to give another uh, person that you know has confessed their faith. They just need a push. They just need somebody to, to help them. And you just read chapter by chapter. Say, hey, let's read through this chapter. And by the way, his stuff's pretty thick, pretty pretty intellectual, so you may want to go, hey, let's do half a chapter. Let's just get through half the chapter, and we'll talk, get together and talk about it. And you tell me what you think, and I'll tell you what I think and where I'm challenged in it. Um, if, there's just all kinds of uh, great books that you can do that. We did one recently at our men's group called Soul Keeping, uh, Caring for the Most Important Part of You. Jesus says if you don't take care of your soul, if any man loses his life, that's no big deal, but you, know, you need to protect your soul, right? There's a whole book based on soul keeping. It's really good. I was trying to think of one of the others I was going to show you. Oh, everybody, everybody should have a copy of this. You can go online and get these copies for, I think they're 99 cents now. It's called Victorious Christians You Should Know by Warren Wiersbe. Anything by Warren Wiersbe is easy to teach and read and disciple. Victorious Christians You Should Know. It's 13 Christians, and he just tells a little biography about each one of them. Fanny Crosby, right? Uh, and uh, he's got all kinds of different people in here. Uh, Andrew Bonar, um, this one's called The Preacher That Couldn't Preach, George Campbell, uh, which turns out to be a, a really phenomenal one. 
um, the apostle of haphazardness, Oswald Chambers. Um, there's just all kinds of great studies. They're little time. They're three pages, four page long sections, and every one of these stories is a great man of faith, woman of faith. That when you read it, you go, "Man, I should be a lot more like that." Right? And when you read it with another person helping you read it, or you say, hey, let's, what did you get out of this? You'll hear stuff you didn't even catch. Right? We, did, we did this one recently at our church called The Inner Chamber. Uh, our whole um, board, uh, official board went through Andrew Murray's The Inner Chamber. We all read this together. Wasn't it The Inner Chamber? Yeah. 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 So, but all these are great, and I'd love for you to look at them. So books is a great way to disciple you have a book, you create a conversation. You can do articles. There's tons of online articles now. You find a great article, email it to them and say, hey, read this. Let's get together tomorrow and talk about it. Let's get together next Monday morning and talk about it before work or after work or whatever. Right? You can do videos. There's some really great videos out there. There's great teachers. There's really bad teachers out there on video. There's some really great teachers. And you create a conversation from that. You can just say, let's just go have coffee and conversation. Let's just go have some coffee. One of these very fancy, rich coffee shops that has words I don't understand in it. Get some coffee, right? And uh, and we'll just talk. Let's talk about what's going on in your life and my life, and I'll tell you how the Lord's taking care of me. You can do it while you're hiking, right? While you're hiking, um, mountain climbing. I, some of my disciples, um, to this day, we just uh, about a year ago went back to Birmingham for a memorial service. One of my young guys that I had discipled years ago passed away in an accident. And when I was there, there's a whole bunch of guys from that generation there. And they're guys that I was a big part of their life. And two of them uh, went on a hiking trip with me. Only two of them. I had this big thing set up for the college group, and only two guys said they could go. And I almost canceled it. And I thought, no. Nah. You know, I thought we were going to take a big group up in the mountains and camp and have a, uh, my friend come teach how to repel. He's an instructor of repelling. So I thought it would be really great. But it ended up being two guys and me and the other guy. And to this day, every time I see those guys, you know what they remember? Man, what a great time we had up in the mountains. That was awesome, just sitting around the campfire talking and, and learning about things and growing in our faith. It was a, it was a discipleship moment. It just happened because we went on a little hiking trip together. We went on a camping trip together, and we threw each other off the mountains. That was pretty interesting. So um, there's, there's projects. You can just tell somebody you want to help them with a project. In the, converse, in the time that you're having a project with them, you can have a conversation with them. You can do it while you're fishing. It's a really easy place to do it while you're fishing, by the way, especially if you're boat fishing because they're captive audience. <laughs> okay? Fishing, you can do it while you're hunting. you got to be quiet, but you can do it while you're hunting. Um, quilting. Ladies, you can do quilting. Lots of y'all do that, I know. Um, crafts. You know, just, just do crafts and do that. We have a small group based on that whole deal, right? One of our growth groups. Um, you can do gardening. Uh, I know Cindy loves gardening, and you can just teach people gardening and talk about things of the Lord while you're doing that, conversations. You can do mechanical things, mechanics, just working on stuff together, jogging and walking in your conversations. Okay, you can do Pilates or Zumba. I don't even know what that is, but you can do that and have conversations with them. Sounds weird, but okay. Um, here's a great way to disciple somebody. Take them to a baseball game. Oh, well, the Bay Bears are gone. It's okay. South Alabama has a baseball team. You know, I think University of Mobile has a baseball team. Take them to a baseball game. You know what you, when you take them to a baseball game, you know what you got? Hours, hours of conversation because baseball happens very slowly. It's not like football where they're just, you know, all the, you know, you're just sitting there hoping somebody eventually is going to hit that ball. Please, Lord, let somebody hit that ball so we can see something happen at a baseball game, okay? And, and so you can just sit, but you, the whole time you're sitting there, 
just take them to a baseball game. The whole time you're sitting there, you got opportunity to create conversations about all kinds of stuff and listen for opportunities to speak into faith life and faith issues. Now there's also, I'm going to throw this in for, uh, for the sake of our younger generation, but with, with a, a caveat and sort of a warning, there's also a way to virtually disciple people online. My son, because he, he blogs and writes a lot, um, has created some relationships over time um, of people that, that they will literally call him or text him or email him Bible questions based on stuff he's written. And they'll give him all kinds, and now they just write him, they're just randomly studying stuff, and they'll write him a question, say, hey, what, what, do you think, what do you think this means in the Bible? And it's usually pretty oddball stuff, right? And so he and I will get together, and we'll look stuff up on, you know, Precept Austin and other Bible study websites, and we'll look at different things and say, here's what I would send to her, here's, here's what I would say about that. But it's, he's discipling, sort of, it's somebody who lives, I think, in Georgia, but he's discipling somebody that's far away because they've interacted with his writing enough and he's created this slow building relationship. That's what discipleship is, is you have to slowly build a relationship that says, look, I'm following Christ. We're going to keep having conversations. I'm going to draw you into my conversation with Christ, and you're going to be following Christ with me because this is the way we're going. As I'm talking, we're all walking this way, and we're going to decide. I'm discipling you, right? Everybody here should have somebody in your wake, and everybody, the last note I want you to hear is this one on the screen. Everybody should be discipled by, by somebody. If you don't have somebody discipling you, it's not hard to You just go ask. Ask a godly woman in the building, godly man in the building that you like. Just say, would you be my mentor and discipler? When I met Robert E. Cochran, one of the first few times he was here in our church, got to know him a little bit and just heard how he talked to people. I went over to his house and sat on his swing out front. And I said, Mr. Cochran, I need you to disciple me. I need you to be my mentor. Oh, no, Pastor. He always called me Brother Pastor. Oh, no, Brother Pastor. He goes, you're my mentor. I went, no, 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 no. <laughs> you are far beyond me in years of faith walk. Far beyond. I know Bible things that you probably don't know, but you know Jesus things that I've never even dreamed of knowing. I need a mentor. And so he would always kind of shun that. But in the end, that's who he was for me for years. You know, Jack Skinner, some of y'all know Jack. I've got a couple of his books up here, by the way. His books are free, and I can get you all that you want. He writes uh, a couple of books a month and has about 40 different books in print on prayer and on Jesus' work on the cross and all that kind of stuff. They're just little booklets filled with Scripture. They make great Bible studies for people. So that's what discipleship is all about. It's finding somebody that's, that, you can, that God's put in your circle of influence, your circle of influence, and say, all right, Lord, how am I supposed to take that person from where they are to where they need to be with you? One little step at a time. One little step at a time. You don't need to, you know, throw a rope around their neck and drag them. You don't need to club them in the head with a big King James Bible. You know, you don't need to do all that. You just need to slowly build relational friendship. And it's all relational. Build friendships and then show them what you know about God and let them fall in love with the God you're in love with. If you're really in love with God, it's going to show through your life. It's going to show through your life. Does that make sense? All right, so let me ask you, uh, as we're closing out this morning, let me ask you, um, can you th think of, it's your own head now, can you think of a couple of people that God may want you, prompting you right now with the Holy Spirit's help, may want you to begin discipling, growing up in their faith, 
can you think of a couple of people that you know you should probably invest more time in? If that's true, would you just do me a favor and testify before the Lord and us and say, yeah, I know a couple people I should be investing in. Can you think of anybody that you should be investing more time in? Raise your hand if, you, if that's true of you. Anybody? All right, so we should, right? We should be looking to invest ourselves. This life is short. There are no guarantees. And those people God's put in your heart, the people that represented in these chairs, we leave up here to remind you what these chairs are about, right? They're the people within your circle of influence that need Jesus totally. They should get on your list. They should be people that you say, I've got to find a way. Is it going to be hard? Yep. Is it going to be stressful at times? Yep. Is it going to take courage? Absolutely. You know, are you going to have to get out of your comfort zone? If you're an introvert, oh my gosh, do you have to get out of your comfort zone, right? I mean, I'm just wanting my hair cut. But then the Lord's going, you know, I'm not going to give you just anybody. She's going to be from Siberia. And you know somebody from Siberia. Oh, okay. Now i got to start a conversation, you know. And I just want my hair cut. takes five minutes. We're done. And I'm going, i got to start a conversation now. Okay. And I'm not a great conversationalist, right? But I'm like, really, Siberia? I know somebody from Siberia. What part are you from? You know, of course, Siberia's big, so I don't know. But it started this whole world of conversations. So everybody here should have three or four. I get, I was trying to think in my head uh, earlier this morning, but there's probably about nine or ten people that I would say that I'm continually discipling into, pouring into a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, right? Just, just keep that. You don't have to just limit it to one or two. Find people that you can influence and just keep working with them and see who God blooms, right, and who God blossoms. And our church has sent out some people that we as a church have discipled. You know, First Baptist in Sims is led by Josh Purvis. He's the senior pastor of First Baptist. And he used to sit right here. He used to stand up here and play music with us and sit right here on the front row and was our children's pastor for a little while, you know, and helped us with all kinds of stuff. He was in our youth group, you know, all those years ago because Josh invited him to, to church with him. Now he's pastoring a church. And discipling people while he's pastoring, by the way, one of his heartbeats is to disciple other people, bring young people alongside him and help them raise them up in the faith, right? That's your job, it's your responsibility. 